Mark 10. Next week you'll be in Mark 11. But I'm going to jump the gun a little bit on you. Is that all right? Can I do that? It's too late, so I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to jump to chapter 11, too, and kind of introduce maybe a little bit of what you're talking about next week. I just came across a passage, or actually two, in chapter 11 I couldn't pass up. What an incredible story, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. Such deep meaning found within a small occurrence. Uh, And it'll kind of set the table for your teachers next Sunday as you dive into Mark chapter 11. But as we're continuing this study in the book of Mark, we're discovering the depth of what it means to follow Jesus. Through Jesus' interactions, we're learning that following Jesus is a constant choice of choosing Jesus over self-centeredness and even safety. Following Jesus is an incredible journey filled with danger, intrigue, and excitement. The good news is that Jesus offers hope and life through his sacrifice. So we discovered that last Sunday. So today, let's take the next step or backtrack a little from Mark 15 and look at Mark 11. We're going to begin in verse 12 today. So let's look at that scripture together. Mark 11, verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, pause... Mark chapter 11, verse 1, we see the triumphal entry, and we've gone over all of that at length with our study leading up to Easter, right? So we have the triumphal entry, and then we have this occurrence. When they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Anyone ever been hungry? Raise your hand. All right. We're all on the same page, and maybe you're hungry right now. I'll talk fast so you can eat. Verse 13. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. Now, why did he do that? Because he was hungry. All right, we're all together. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. That's disappointing, right? But look at the end of the sentence. For it was not the season for figs. Hmm, that's odd. Verse 14, and he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard that. And then we have a pause. Verse 14. We have an interlude where Jesus has this interaction in the temple complex. We know that well, right? You guys will study that next week in your Bible study time. So I'm not going to go into that. But you see what he does in the temple. And then in verse 20, he comes back to the tree. Verse 20, and they passed by in the morning, and they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. So the next day they come by, and they see this tree that Jesus cursed, and it was it was dead, right? Verse 21, and Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Verse 24, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, 
so that your Father may, who also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Father, as we see you interact with people and do miraculous things, it's incredible the power that you display. And today, Father, as we look at these words, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Father, teach us what you want us to know. Fill in the gaps for what we don't understand. And I pray that we would leave change this morning. Father, may not my words be said, but yours, that you may bless us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So we have this interaction here that's kind of odd. Would you agree? Would you agree? Jason's not here, so I don't have my example or talker. I was going to have Jason come up and demonstrate this. We have Jesus and his disciples are walking from where? Bethany, and they come across a fig tree. That's significant. Okay, so remember, fig tree. And why did Jesus go looking at the fig tree? Because he was hungry and he wanted something to eat. Now, what didn't make sense about this? It was out of season. So should Jesus have expected to find figs on the fig tree? That's where we're afraid to answer, right? We're like, not really, but maybe, not sure. So when he gets to the tree and he finds that there are no figs, anyone like figs? Okay. Yes said no? It wouldn't be my choice of snack. Anyway, there's no figs on the tree. There are only what? Leaves. Was it the season to have leaves on the tree? Yes. And what does Jesus do? Some say Jesus became angry and acted in anger. Therefore, he cursed the tree. And the tree, as a result, when they came by the next day, they found that the tree was... It was dead. It was dead. And then we see this interaction with the disciples the next day where they're talking about prayer, right? Faith. And if you believe, if you really believe, whatever you ask will happen, right? We've heard that scripture. And we hear this stuff about faith and moving mountains and how much faith is required. But then we struggle in our prayer life. What is Jesus trying to communicate here today? As we read this passage, what word does he have for us? I know we're all dealing with stuff. Life is busy, and we're running from one place to the other. We're dealing with a lot of things. We've got a lot of things to finish. I know it's, it's transitioning from spring to I can't breathe weather to I can't go outside because everything's attacking you. And then you'll transition into summer where it's too hot. Or maybe too hot this afternoon, I don't know. It's day to day. But we struggle with life, right? We struggle with people and things and difficulties, and we wonder, how am I going to survive day to day? And how do I follow Jesus in this broken world? And then we come across a story about a tree that wasn't fruitful, and it was cursed and died. What does that have to do with me? Well, let's look a little closer. Let's look at this tree. If we think about trees, and we look at trees within the context of the culture, Trees in Jerusalem, they get leafy in March, around the time when Jesus was coming around there in the springtime, but they don't produce fruit until June. So here we see there was not really 
supposed to find any fruit on this tree, even though some could fruit early and they could have some, some I guess, pre-fig figs, some small figs that you could pluck and eat. But if you think about the tree that was doing exactly what it was supposed to be doing at that time, and you think about a fig tree, does the word fig tree kind of click and spark any kind of references in Scripture anywhere? You can go back to the book of Genesis and you can find a fig tree. Did you know there's a fig tree in the garden? There was. Do you know what the fig tree was used for in the garden? Yes. That is what Adam and Eve used to clothe themselves after they fell. Remember they sinned and realized they were without clothing and they found some clothing real quick out of fig leaves. So we see those leaves reappear with Jesus again. It's kind of interesting. Fig trees had long been a symbol of Israel's peace and security. You can see that in Micah 4, Zechariah chapter 3. But here we see Jesus interacting with this fig tree that was full of leaf but had no fruit. And then we see very clearly as his interaction goes back and we see the bridge in between, we see the interaction with Jesus in the temple overturning the tables. We very clearly discover that these stories are connected. The tree is directly connected to the temple, which is directly connected to Jewish worship. So if we put all the pieces together, we find... And we discovered that this fig tree represents the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, which observed by Jesus, who had roots who were absolutely dead and unable to produce fruit. Jesus is painting a picture of the religious system and the temple that had plenty of leaves, but absolutely no fruit. And we see, as you will study next week, Jesus enters that temple and they see the corruption within as people were gathering to celebrate and the officials in the temple were looking for nothing else than to get rich. Their empty actions were without fruit. Jesus was telling his disciples and the community around him that judgment is quickly coming for the fruitless. Jesus is informing them that time is running out and the consequences have an eternal significance. In the interaction with the tree, we see this word, season. Where do we find that word, season? Somebody tell me what verse that word, season, is in. I lost it. Help me out. Chapter 11, verse... 13, yes, and seeing a distance of fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. That word season is not necessarily a botanical term for growing season. That word season that's used in this passage is a religious term. A religious term that we can find in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Here's the term used in the context of chapter 1. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was telling the Jewish leadership that the time had come. It was the season for everything to be fulfilled. I have come 
and I am fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies, and I am on a journey to the cross to redeem you. The kingdom of God is at hand is what Jesus is saying in the life of the fig tree, is what he's telling the religious leadership. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's urging them to repent and believe in the gospel. You see, he was not talking about growing fruit. He was talking about changing lives. That term season, that represented here in this discussion in Mark 11, represents the barrenness of temple Judaism. We see here that judgment here is not just reserved for the fig tree. Judgment is coming for the fruitless religious system in the temple. But that should not cause us to worry. You see, it was a big issue, the discussion that he had with the temple leadership in Mark chapter 11. It caused a lot of commotion as Jesus discussed the temple. And then we see the bridge with the fig tree, where the fig tree was found with no fruit. Jesus cursed it, which the cursing was not in anger. He was making a statement, trying to draw representation to the temple. But as we see in verse 20 and following, Jesus transitions from the tree to what? Prayer and faith. And he says this, After Peter drew attention to the tree that had withered, Jesus quickly transitioned and told them to have faith in God. Have faith faith in God. And then he said this in verse 23, which a lot of us think, well, he's talking about something else and he's transitioning to a different topic, but not really. He's drawing a line, connecting the dots here. Truly, I say to you, when whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done. Now, what is this mountain that Jesus is discussing? Is it any mountain? Is he talking about faith? Or is he drawing a connection to something specific? He's talking about a mountain of struggle. We think about where Jesus is and where Jesus was going. The center of life that the people lived in. This mountain found in chapter 11, Jesus is referring to the temple mount. You see, he's telling his disciples that the temple would no longer be the focal point of God's presence. And he was reminding them that the effectiveness of prayer has absolutely nothing to do with the temple or the sacrifices. Jesus was telling them about what was to come. Because when he paid the price on the cross... When he broke the barrier of sin and death and gained us access to the Father, the floodgates would open. Jesus could not be confined in the grave, and access to the Father would be granted immediately. You see, the temple complex was full of barriers. There were barriers for Gentiles, there were barriers for women, and there were even barriers for men. And access to the Father, direct access to the Father was granted to only a few, even one. What Jesus was saying here is no longer would those barriers exist. And we see that struggle and the devastation of the destruction of the temple that we find later. And Jesus was telling them the temple doesn't matter. 
Access to me is granted through the cross forever. And if you only have faith and you believe, great things can happen. But he's also reminding his followers that we must also have forgiveness. In order for us to have access and the power of God flow through us, we must seek forgiveness from God and we must offer forgiveness toward others. This reveals our heart before God. You see, there's so many of us who think we have things together. And we thumb our nose or we criticize others for their actions or interactions, for the way they look, for the way they act, the things they say or the things they don't say. And then we run to Jesus and we ask Jesus for forgiveness while we all the same time have that critical heart and attitude. What Jesus is telling his followers here is you must have forgiveness. In order for you to receive forgiveness from the Father, you must also do what? You must forgive others. You have to forgive others. That open heart is necessary for access to the Father. It's necessary. So what's the point? Why does all this matter? What does it have to do with me? Jesus here is using the tree, the fig tree, to tell his followers that empty religious practice will bring judgment. It's not enough to get dressed up and act like a follower of Jesus. A true follower will produce fruit. Bottom line. Jesus saw a tree that was full of leaf and looked beautiful, but it didn't produce fruit. And he was clearly telling his disciples, you may look green and nice and pretty, getting dressed up and coming to church, not saying any cuss words on Sunday, being nice to your friends, saying a prayer, it's not good enough. True followers do what? Produce fruit in your life. True disciples produce fruit. What kind of fruit? What kind of fruit? We see in Scripture things like the fruit of the Spirit. And those are true, but the clear command from Jesus is to make disciples. We see that very clearly all through His work and all through His mission and even as He leaves He gives the command, the great commission that we know so well. Jesus is truly telling his disciples, if you're going to follow me, you cannot be like a fruitless tree. You must produce fruit. That's the judgment, the condemnation that he gave to the temple leadership. Because they looked nice, but they didn't produce fruit. As a church... If we make things look pretty on the outside, but our hearts are far from the gospel, we're going to face judgment. Hear me clearly. I don't care how pretty you make things look, or how great of an appearance it is, or what you think this represents or that represents, or the way we've always done things before, that doesn't matter. What matters in in your heart is, are you producing fruit? And God's going to pass judgment on this church based on whether or not we produce fruit. Are we making disciples? It doesn't matter what color the carpet is, what color the chairs are, what we have in this room or that room. What matters is, are we making disciples? 
Because if we don't do that, we're going to face judgment. And the same is true for your heart. One day Jesus will pass by you. And I hope he finds fruit on your tree. Jesus is also turning their eyes toward a relationship with him and not a practice at a certain place in a certain manner. That's all that temple worship was. It was a journey that you make at a certain time of year to make, offer your sacrifices, to make things right so you can move forward with your life. The destruction of the temple would be devastating to the nation, but Jesus is trying to show them that his death would provide access to God for anyone, anywhere, at any time. As I was working on through this passage and... Spending time in prayer and thinking about our situation and application, a song came on the radio. And a great philosopher, or philosophers, the Rolling Stones shared this phrase that just hit me. It goes like this, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might just find you get what you need. My friends, there are times in our life where we live to get what we want. There are even times in our church life where we have our preferences, our attitudes, things that we think should or should not take place. And we pursue our wants. Do we not do that? There are a lot of times in our lives where we find ourselves in a whole heap of trouble because we are pursuing our wants. But when we read Scripture and we see the commands of Christ, the truth is, through faith and trust in Him as our Savior, just as these kids proclaimed this morning, as they came forward last week to share with you what Jesus has done in their heart. If you trust him and you have just enough faith, he'll give you everything you need. Everything you need. And the odd thing about that is, just a little bit of that faith can move mountains. Can do incredible things if you let God in. So today I have a question for you. What kind of tree are you? You can look at these plants in front of us. They're good representation or example. They're, they're green and leafy. What kind of tree are you? And you know where I'm going. Are you producing fruit in your life? Are you pouring into others' lives? Are you making a difference in this world? Well, let's step back and think about our church. What kind of tree are we, church? Are we nice and pretty? Leafy? Do we have any fruit hanging from our tree? That's something we need to think about. And finally, how is your prayer life going? We see here Jesus instructing them, telling them, you don't have to come to a building to pray. You don't have to go to a certain place to spend time with God. Spending time with God is not something that should only take place on a Sunday morning 
at 10.30. It's something that should be a daily habit. Through His work on the cross, you have access to the Father every moment of every day. So are you spending time with Him? Are you spending time with Him? Are you leaning into that power of Jesus on the cross? As a church, if we would only do that and have just a little bit of faith, we could do incredible things. There's so much stuff ahead of us, church. As we move toward the summer and we look to interact with each other in our community and we partner with the Arkansas Baptists and the Children's Home moving forward, there's so much in front of us, so many opportunities for us to produce fruit. But that relationship with Jesus has to be right for us to do that. We've got to have that faith. And God will move a mountain. Incredible work is ahead. Are you ready for that? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you so much for the word. Father, for the example that you provided. And as we seek to draw close to you on the hills of Easter, I ask that you would just search our hearts, convict us of sin, and put us in that position to not just be a leafy green tree, but to be fruitful in our lives. Father, as we look forward to everything that's ahead of us, prepare our hearts for that that you may do a great work in us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.